Welcome again to Great Moments in American Presidential History. In 1863, following the pivotal battle in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Abraham Lincoln talked about the preservation of government of the people, by the people, for the people. In the wake of the Great Depression, Franklin Delano Roosevelt told Americans, We have nothing to fear but fear itself. At his presidential inauguration in 1961, President John F. Kennedy told Americans to ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. In 2020, President Donald Trump says, Like you'll go person, woman, man, camera, TV. In the right order. It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. It has been a perhaps busier week than usual and scarier week than usual on the corruption front, the anti-protester fascism front, and even the COVID incompetence front. And we'll be trying to work our way through the big news on that this week. But first, let's start with some fun stuff as we had in the intro. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, was bragging about a cognitive test that he took. Yes, the president of the United States has been bragging that he passed a cognitive test, in case you missed this, that is basically a concussion protocol. It is a test designed to determine dementia, Alzheimer's, if you're totally losing it. And the president of the United States counts this as a big victory. And as I'm, as I'm listening to this, everybody's having fun talking about the president passing this ridiculous test. And I, and I have to think, this is in his telling that he passed the test. We don't actually know he passed the test. We don't even know he took the damn test. This is according to Donald Trump that he did that. And of course, according to Donald Trump means absolutely nothing. It means he's, he's such a liar. It means you can't trust it any more than you could before he said anything about it. So in Trump's telling, he passed a test designed as basically a concussion protocol. It was interesting as he described the test and his passing it. He noted that the test was administered by Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Now, faithful listeners to the show will recall that name, as will many others. Ronnie Jackson was the former White House physician. The thing with Ronnie Jackson, a White House physician, is he resigned in April of 2018, more than two years ago. He resigned in scandal, by the way, in case you forgot, when Trump nominated him to, to head the VA and patterns of corruption misconduct came out about Ronnie Jackson. Ultimately, he had to resign head a separate way. A separate way being, by the way, in a fitting code of this, Ronnie Jackson running for Congress right now as a Republican in Texas, because why the hell not? Uh, maybe he'll run on the basis of having it administered 
a test, a cognitive test to Donald Trump that he passed. That's got to be a big claim to fame for, for Texas. Anyway, so either Donald Trump took this test that he is out heralding more than two years ago. That's the most recent evidence he has of his not being brain damaged. Or he couldn't remember the name of the doctor who gave him the test. He's having flashbacks to a prior White House physician. I haven't heard that question answered by anybody. It's really not that important because it really doesn't matter other than for fun. The president of the United States is still a fucking moron. Whether and how much he's brain damaged is almost irrelevant. But Trump describes himself as having passed the test because famously he could remember those five words. I can't remember what those five words were. Anyway, because he can remember those five words he tells us that passed this cognitive test. Come on, if Trump really was taking some kind of cognitive test and Jackson said to him, person, woman, man, camera, TV, please repeat that, we'd be freaking thrilled if Trump had said, um, that? (laughs) It's an old joke. And I have young kids. Well, in a Forward Nation Radio exclusive, we have actually uncovered a clip of that cognitive test. Uh, I state your name. I state your name. Do hereby pledge allegiance to the frat. Do hereby pledge allegiance to the frat. Uh, With liberty and fraternity for all. Amen. Amen. Okay, apologies to Animal House for the association with Donald Trump, who's not nearly as smart or as cool. And as long as we're on the subject of our president's mental capacity or lack thereof, uh, a, a week ago, I didn't have time for it on last week's show. I said I'd get to it this week. Mary Trump famously came out with her book. That's Donald Trump's niece. She had her interview with Rachel Maddow, which was a ratings smash which would be exciting if anyone thought it could actually change anybody's mind on the subject of Donald Trump. But in that interview and in interviews elsewhere and in the book, Mary Trump describes her uncle as a racist, an anti-Semite, an incompetent, evil, basically a bad joke being played on humanity. In other words, there's absolutely nothing new in the book. Nothing that we didn't have all kinds of evidence before in any event, uh, it's fun. It's gossipy. I'm not going to spend much time on the book because, again, I just don't think there's anything new here. Wow. She says he's a racist. What evidence does she have? Oh, right. Tons of evidence that we all have. I, I do want to say one thing about Mary Trump's interview. It's somewhat entertaining if you like that. But one thing she said that I think really needs to be underscored. And that is that he needs to be crushed in 2020. As I've been arguing on the show for three something years, it's not enough that he loses given his rabid base of lunatics. He needs to be crushed. And she said that in the Rachel Maddow interview. Not that she's necessarily qualified to say that, but I'm underscoring it because I think that was my most important takeaway from that. But as long as we're talking about the president of the United States, because he, of course, soaks up all the news anyway, all the, all the discussion on the corruption front, which we've been talking about for several weeks. Uh, one of the things that I've been 
warning about if Donald Trump is defeated, just hold on to the White House silverware because as bad as the corruption has been throughout his presidency, once he's a lame duck, boy, is it going to be bad. Well, there's been some entertaining and not so entertaining news on the corruption front this week. And the the entertaining thing is that Trump ordered the United States ambassador to Britain to try to get the British Open moved to his golf course in Scotland. It is mind-boggling the kind of petty, self-interested bullshit that is all that this president is capable of thinking of. Certainly he's not capable of thinking of protecting Americans from a virus or economic catastrophe or anything like that. Uh, I, I I find the reaction to this, again, more surprising than the fact that Trump did this. Because no surprise that Trump did this. He's been running his presidency basically to, to put money into his piggy bank the entire time. There's, there's nothing new here that he did this. I think what's new here is the reaction that people talk about this as pathetic. They talk about this as a pretty funny example of Trump's corruption. The fact that it's not legal, it just doesn't matter anymore. It's just lost in the shuffle. We've given up the idea that the President of the United States could be held to any standard of following the law or the United States Constitution. I just find that remarkable. Imagine what another four years is going to bring us. So also, somewhat entertainingly on the corruption front, I found this. I talked about this a little bit last week. Donald Trump, of course, has been busy pardoning all of his co-conspirators, all of his cronies. And the, the one who turned coat on him who turned state's evidence on Donald Trump was, of course, Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen, of course, was the one person that Donald Trump wouldn't commute a sentence or pardon. He's going to get back at him. We talked about last week, they threw Cohen back in prison after he had been released for COVID because he wouldn't agree not to write a tell-all book about Trump, such as the theory and the belief in free speech and honest public debate and all that other stuff. We talked about that before. But this week, the judge ordered Cohen to be released from prison again because his being sent back to prison, this is what a judge ruled, was clearly motivated by politics and, and trying to strong arm this strong armor <laughs> into uh, rallying again behind the president, into coming in line with the president of the United States. It is remarkable. It is a statement, of course, to just how much corruption there is in this administration. And I think when this happens, I'd love to see the judges start applying this ruling more broadly. The whole Republican war on crime was a freaking political strategy. It wasn't based on any actual effort to help America. So by the same theory, I would love to see judges all across America emptying our prisons. Because of all the people who are there for political reasons, rather than for any legal justification for what they did. Anyway, speaking of legal justifications and going to prison in a perfect world, our number one law enforcement officer, Attorney General William Barr. Yes, I do say that ironically, even though it's technically accurate. William Barr testified in front of Congress this week. Uh, Don't worry too much if you missed the testimony. Um, I understand Barr will be issuing a summary of the the report on his testimony shortly, and so that should be good to get us through it. 
Um, remember that this is the nation's highest law enforcement officer, the Attorney General of the United States, who has helped the president with his many criminal cover-ups, including covering up the role of a hostile foreign power in his administration and in his election. In other words, basically what a normal person would call treason. This is the attorney general who has promoted and enabled voter suppression, who has attacked peaceful protesters, who has enabled Donald Trump and furthered his racism and his effort to create a civil war in America. He was, in fact, saved in his testimony, like Donald Trump, by the sheer volume of his crimes. Barr should have, some commentators noted, they should have frog-walked him right from his, his testimony seat right to the dungeons of Congress to rot there for the rest of his life for all the crimes he has committed as the nation's number one law enforcement officer. Instead, he basically got a pass. He got a pass in part because Democrats were too distracted by the volume of the crimes to focus coherently on building a case against any one thing that he did. So there was a lot of grandstanding in his testimony. So... Again, the lesson from Barr's testimony and his walking away from it completely unscathed is you just overwhelm the system through your sheer volume of crimes, your sheer number of lies. You just overwhelm the system that is designed to prevent that. And your ability to overwhelm the, the system is aided dramatically by a political criminal organization posing as a political party that will have your back, as it did during the testimony of this criminal and, yes, traitor, when the GOP just kept rallying around him, was there to just help him and his criminal boss with their cover-up. There was an interesting op-ed in today or yesterday's recent New York Times by a longtime Republican political consultant, a guy by the name of Stuart Stevens, if you want to look it up, where he talks about the Republican Party having lost its way. And you read this, it's like, we have to realize how awful we've become. We are a racist political party. We are an awful political party. We're liars. Donald Trump isn't an aberration. He is a reflection of the Republican Party, something... I've been arguing for three and a half years. And so, so you know, the, the, you read this thing, and the first thing you think is, you think? Like, once again, duh. Like, my reaction to listening to Mary Trump. Uh-huh. And the news is what? This is a guy who worked for Rom as recently as Romney, a Republican political consultant. He worked for George W. Bush, speaking about corruption. And I read that, and I think it, 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 it is typical of what I have talked about with the Republican Party. Even what passes for the so-called intellectual elite in that party, the best you can say is they wake up at some time, at some point way after it's too late. They are simply too late for the party. The normal thinking, rational people have understood for many years what just dawned on this guy. Congratulations that it dawned on you now. You're better than what's left in your party, the millions and millions and millions who are supporting Donald Trump. You are better than them. But oh my God, 
Do you need to be better than what you are? And boy, is it time for Americans to start considering choosing as our leaders people who aren't just 5, 10, or 15 years too late. I'm sure Mr. Stevens will probably have an op-ed in the New York Times in three years saying, hey, you know what? There really is climate change. Maybe it's time to start really electing the people who get it right the first time. Anyway, we're going to transition now from the entertainment portion of today's show to the we're all going to die portion of today's show, basically. And we'll continue with our long-running fascism watch, which is really becoming no joke right now in America. Maybe the biggest news this week, and it is ongoing as we speak, is that the President of the United States was basically sending the Gestapo into U.S. cities, starting with Portland, but going to other cities that he describes as liberal, quote-unquote, cities. It's part of his whole Civil War strategy. Uh, As I've pointed out, of course, it's a city. People have to, like, be a little bit informed and live with each other. So, yes, it's liberal according to Donald Trump. But anyway, let's not get sidetracked. Donald Trump basically is sending in the Gestapo. U.S. stormtroopers. We're not even sure exactly who they are. They're an amalgam of various federal agencies, including ICE, Customs and Border Protection. They're going in without ID, without identifying themselves, without any accountability. The anti-protesters ratcheting up how much more dangerous they are than the protesters. They're sending in the Border Patrol Tactical Unit, BORTAC, apparently, a unit that normally conducts high-risk raids against smugglers along the Mexican border. These are guys who are primed for violence and primed for action. Yes, the Gestapo is not a really inappropriate Reference, I'm sorry for anybody who's offended by that. You really need to be offended by what we're doing and not the fact that I used a word you may not like. Maybe stormtroopers is better for you. These are the most aggressive, anti-legal American forces that Donald Trump has. They are the biggest Donald Trump tools. They are the biggest Donald Trump and Republican supporters. They're the ones that could most be counted upon to engage in war against American citizens. And when I say war, apparently it is a war. Many commentators describing it like a war zone, at least in Portland, before it's gotten aggravated in the other cities in which he sent troopers. I compare it to a war zone, and some people will take that and say he must be exaggerating, but no. Said one resident of Portland, somebody who's living through it. So we are reminded as this goes on, this is all part of a political strategy. Declare war on America and Americans as a political strategy from Donald Trump. And that's exactly what this is. He has made it clear that his hopes for getting back in the presidential race and somehow eking out a victory while losing by millions of votes is to build on this anti-crime and build on this racist divide in America. Hey, white suburban voters, those black people are coming for your daughters. That will be the theme of the 2020 election. We are reminded. Donald Trump has been running 
Law and Order ads. In fact, that's been in the news this week, in case you've missed that. By Law and Order ads, I mean, of course, that he has been lying. He has repeatedly been lying about Joe Biden's positions on just about everything. And, of course, there's that famous Facebook ad that the Trump campaign put out showing the chaos and the violence at American protests, which unfortunately used a picture from a protest in Ukraine in 2014. And in fact, by the, the crackdown was by people that Donald Trump has been aligned with because they share the same patron in Vladimir Putin, guys who have since been chased out of Ukraine. It would be comical if it weren't so dangerous. Donald Trump, of course, is releasing these ads. He's finding time to sign off on his law and order ads. Between issuing pardons to his cronies to help him cover up his crimes, which he is doing at a record pace, And between, here's news this week, the law and order president came out this week to send his well wishes to Ghislaine Maxwell. I think that's how you pronounce it. Ghislaine Maxwell, an accused child sex trafficker. He sends his best best wishes. But this is, this don't, but don't worry, Americans. This is a law and order president who's going to protect us from Americans protesting. You know who he's going to protect himself from, of course? Um, he's, going to, he's going to protect us from moms, as it turns out, from these protests. One thing about the, the, pro, the protest movements in this country, they are so much smarter than the anti-protesters. That may not matter in the end, because we don't have all the guns. But they're so much smarter. The, the moms in yellow shirts, the, uh, the, what's called the wall of moms at these protests, followed by a wall of veterans, lawyers for black lives, teachers against tyrants, to confront this brutality, this fascism, with the most peaceful, in the memory of John, Congressman John Lewis, in the most peaceful, non-threatening way imaginable. Unless, of course, you're Donald Trump, in which case everything is threatening. Everything has to be threatening because, of course, we are reminded, safety is always the predicate for authoritarian takeovers. You're not safe, people. They're all out to get you. Is always the predicate for a fascist takeover. The fascists take over important, left among its victims, the awful people that he was protecting Americans against, the mayor of Portland, who also, by the way, described what he was, who was attacked by these, by these stormtroopers, and who has described it as urban warfare. Quote, this is urban warfare. Close quote. Ah, don't worry, no big deal, Americans. Go back to your TV. So this is what fascism looks like, a police state. And we're getting closer and closer and closer, especially when Donald Trump feels trapped in a corner and he's going to maybe lose an election. Of course, what fascism also looks like, in addition to a police state, is a propaganda state, a lie mill, 
And we continued building that part of the fascist state as well this week. Continued building this week. This has been a long, ongoing project. They banned private drones within a mile of the protests in Portland. Banned private drones. What are they afraid of? They're afraid that the reaction to the protests, the brutality, will be surveilled, in the, in the White House's words. Yes, they are worried that people will actually get to see what's going on. The truth, of course, is an antidote to propaganda. And as Trump knows, if it isn't happening on TV, for Americans, it isn't happening. If a protest falls in the woods and there's nobody there, to, yeah, whatever. So Donald Trump continues to foment civil war in this country as an election strategy. His use of the word liberal cities to energize his base that is motivated by nothing more than their own stupidity and their own hatred of anything that goes by the monitor, moniker of liberal. As I've pointed out many times on this show, most of these fucking morons don't even know what a liberal is and couldn't define the word, but they know they don't like it. You throw that word out there and you'll rile up these rabid morons. So Donald Trump's throwing the word out there again, and along with socialism. We've got liberal cities, liberal mayors, socialists take over America, everything but fascism to the, ra- to the rabid people. Trump has backed down in the past. Is he going to back down now? We've always talked before about how the institutions in this country are holding. Well, Trump may not feel the need to back down if he feels that that much under threat. And are our institutions still holding at this point in time? This is getting dicier and dicier and dicier. On the one hand, we hear the DA of Philadelphia is coming out and threatening to charge federal agents who break the law. So we've now got a lot of the people we've been protesting against for the last month are now the people we have to rely on. Because there's something even worse out there. But holding of institutions? ICE is right now busy trying to suppress a Netflix documentary on ICE. The problem is this documentary that is due to be released by Netflix, uh, I think next month or later, I don't know any of this month left, so it must be next month, middle of next month or something. They, they've been doing this documentary about the way we've been treating immigrants in detention and other other activities of ICE. Well, ICE is now trying to suppress the documentary because God forbid Americans in this country find out how their own government is behaving. I mentioned last week, I didn't have a chance to get into it, I'd get to this week. Last week, the New York Police Department proposed new rules to bar press coverage, to bar press coverage of the New York Police Department. The, the mo- I don't know which is the more amazing part of the story. The fact that the New York Police Department is basically covering up its own actions. I guess that's not even amazing, although it's incredibly depressing. Or the fact that they get to decide who gets to cover the New York City Police Department. Wow, if I ever commit a crime, do I get to choose who prosecutes me? Does the Bank Robber Association get to hire security guards? Actually, I guess in Trump America, that is the way it works. 
The idea that the NYPD can remove press credentials? It's unbelievable. The New York Police Department has long justified its its damage control, its, its control of information, is, of course, the dangerous job that police officers have to do. And I don't mean to, to discredit uh, or minimize the dangerous job that police officers do, but as I've talked about on the show, you know who's doing, also doing, and, and especially now, by the way, when police officers are one of our frontline responders during the COVID epidemic, but so are teachers. So are grocery clerks. So are a whole bunch of other people in this country who probably don't get to decide how the press gets to cover them. And finally, I guess, on the institutions holding or not holding front, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, we've been relying upon to try to safely navigate us as safely as possible through this pandemic, even as its boss, the president of the United States, does everything he can to murder Americans and make this worse. Well, the CDC seems to have finally really knuckled under. And in another piece of remarkably scary news this week, the CDC came out with its guide for reopening schools. And apparently the CDC guide for, Repu- for reopening schools has gone full Trump. The important thing is, whatever the president says, we just need to get all these kids back in school without necessarily worrying about being able to afford to actually send people back safely. Frontline workers who might need some protection in this country, again, maybe I'm a little biased here, but I kind of want to nominate teachers in this one. Anyway, there was, I thought, a little bit of excitement this week. Maybe some good news, some hopeful signs, because baseball is back, baby. Yes, baseball is back. And I've ridiculed baseball for you. I'm Look, I'm a Met fan. I haven't really had much reason to watch baseball for several years now. But I got to admit, a little bit of normalcy. What the hell, right now, even checking out the cardboard cutouts in the stands seemed exciting. But baseball is back. I was looking forward to this. And, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm just getting a message here. Oops, baseball may not be so back. Uh, it turns out baseball was back, and therefore so is the coronavirus in Major League Baseball. Turns out they're canceling a whole lot of games because the Miami Miami Marlins, among possibly other teams, have just had a complete outbreak on that team. Good luck to everybody who is affected. So the resumption of the baseball season, I guess, is now still kind of a thing in progress, and they're working on it as they go. Games are being canceled left and right. I gotta tell you, when baseball came back, it it gave me some really some some difficult moments. When it first came back, and I read about what should have been a really uplifting story about the first game and the players kneeling in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, the the pro justice movement across America, kneeling before the national anthem to try to avoid that kind of controversy. I felt good about that. On the other hand, I felt a little miserable about that to find out that it was initiated in part by the damn New York Yankees. New York Yankees is a Met fan, a a team that I have hated pretty much my entire life. And for a moment there, I was kind of like, wait a minute, the Yankees initiated this? Oh my God, I can't really hate the Yankees for doing something good here. I was really torn. It was a miserable moment. It was like a Trump supporter letting reality come in for just a, just a moment there. I felt a little bit better for a, for a moment, a day later, when I read that the Yankees had asked Donald Trump to throw out the first pitch. 
But that moment of relief where I could go back to hating the Yankees was really short-lived as soon as I read that it was Donald Trump who said that the Yankees had asked him to throw out the first pitch. I found it remarkable that a New York baseball team would invite this criminal son of a bitch to come throw out a pitch in a New York baseball stadium. Well, when I found out that it was Donald Trump who said that he was invited, he unfortunately couldn't do it. Um, it turns out the Yankees issued a denial and said, we don't know what the hell he's talking about. There was no such schedule for Donald Trump to throw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium. The guy apparently even lies about throwing out the first pitch in a baseball game. Now, of course, that's only the first joke of the week of this story. The second joke of the week in the story, Donald Trump said he couldn't do it because he was too busy. Seriously, that's what he said. Not only he said he was too busy protecting Americans and battling the coronavirus, undoubtedly from the golf course, but that's what he said. He was protecting our economy. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. I, I don't watch Saturday Night Live. I imagine that Saturday Night Live just walked in and live and they just said, yeah, you know, we can't we can't top that. We, we got nothing here that you know, can't be funnier than that. Uh, and just played, I guess, 90 minutes of Donald Trump speaking. It's just remarkable. So baseball is back, not back. The outbreak, stay tuned for that. But that brings us, of course, to our last story discussing where we are right now regarding COVID. Uh, we have passed the official 150,000 dead point in America. Again, that number is undoubtedly low. Trump has managed to kill more than 10,000 Americans since we last spoke about the COVID crisis. More than 10,000 Americans have been effectively murdered by the President of the United States. Or as, as The Onion so brilliantly described the COVID crisis this week, Onion headline, ICUs, referring to hospital ICUs, ICUs reach breaking point as nation hits 4 million coronavirus hoaxes. You can't really sum it up much better than that for where we are. Yes, it's a hoax that is just completely overrunning our nation's hospitals and our cemeteries. It has been roaring back so much that we're Americans who are looking to find some reason to hope or finding some reason to hope in that three-second interval where the President of the United States seemed like he wasn't completely brain-addled and actually wore a mask. Uh, it's, it's comical. The President of the United States had to ixnay his Republican convention or portion of the Republican convention in Jacksonville, which, remember, he moved there because the Democratic, the liberal governor of North Carolina wouldn't allow him to do everything that he knew was safe to do there. So they moved it to Jacksonville, and now it looks like that's off as well. Again, Republicans, including Donald Trump, getting it just way too late for it to really matter. So COVID is roaring back in America still, even as the rest of the world has a handle on it. But don't worry, Americans. The Republican Senate is riding to the rescue. The Senate GOP released its COVID relief plan, its long-awaited COVID relief plan. Too late to actually get it done in time. 
it's run one plus trillion dollar plan is out there to compete with the over three trillion dollar plan that the Democratic House of Representatives had proposed. And let's talk very briefly about the GOP COVID relief plan. There's not uh, there's no reason to spend a lot of time on it because, of course, it is a disgrace. And, of course, it's not going to get enacted because they're going to have to sort something out with the House. But just to give you an idea where the political parties are coming from in America today. The GOP, the Senate COVID relief plan, has proposed a $400 per week cut in jobless aid. I mean, what better way to deal with the fact that businesses are closing and Americans can't get jobs than by cutting their jobless aid? The Republicans did, of course, find some money for stimulus checks for people who are working, many of whom do not need the stimulus checks. But they managed, since they're always at war with poor people and working class people, they managed to propose massive cuts in jobless aid while still providing stimulus checks. More on the jobless aid cuts in a moment. They also proposed, as I've been saying forever on this show, the usual Republican plan of corporate liability protection. Tort reform to protect companies that murder their workers by not providing safe working conditions. Protecting them from lawsuits to be held accountable for their own actions. Because that's where the Republicans come from. Human beings don't get protection for for problems outside their control, but corporations get protection for murdering people. They included money for schools in their COVID relief bill, but that money for schools is contingent upon those schools going fully back having their students go back and having classrooms. As Kaylee McEnany, that jackass, said, science should not stand in the way of reopening schools. In fact, she works for Trump and she's a Republican. Science shouldn't even exist, Kaylee. Come on. This is an example of the GOP's belief in states' rights, by the way. GOP saying to local school boards and to states across America, if you want to get any money for your schools, you better do what we tell you. Not exactly sounding like champions for state rights. Well, I guess it doesn't benefit rich people and corporations right now to be in favor of states' rights, so the Republicans are consistent in not being in favor of anything that wouldn't work for rich people and corporations. They, uh, at the same time, they're cutting money for working people while increasing the threat to their lives. That's the the upshot here in case this isn't clear. We are not going to give people money for not working. We are not going to give schools money for not threatening the lives of children, teachers, and anyone those children might come in contact with. You get nothing unless you are willing to put your life at risk. And by the way, when you're thinking about whether to put your life at risk because you can't otherwise feed your families, just remember that the company you are relying on to provide you some measure of safety will have absolutely no reason to provide you with any actual safety. The Republican bill is designed for three things. One, theft. Give as much money as possible to their criminal cohorts, 
to their to their donors, their co-conspirators. Just steal as much as you can from this country, from working Americans, taxpaying Americans, and give it to yourselves as long as you're in a position to steal as much as you can. This is blatant theft across America. They're not only stealing money, of course, by giving money to political donors, they're hoping to steal another political, another election, and maintain power that much longer to continue to steal from the public till. But of course, it's also designed for its political impact. War on working people is always the goal of the Republican Party on behalf of the wealthy, and amazingly, it always somehow manages to work. It is a way to appeal to the rich donors, as I noted, without having to worry about the fucking stupid morons who can't pass a basic cognitive test, who continue to vote them into office so that they continue to steal from them and ruin their lives. While this is going on, they illustrated how they know to appeal to their base. Trump this week ended an Obama rule against housing discrimination. So, hey, Trump supporters, hey, rabid people, we're going to take away your future, but you're probably too stupid to know that. And you know what we'll give you in return? We'll give you white supremacy. Yes, Republicans appealing to their white suburban base again. It's not just it's not just through crime. And the third thing that this bill is designed to do is to tie the hands of the next Democratic administration whenever that may be and hopefully it's in 2021 or there will probably never be a Democratic administration again. But it was attempting to tie the hands of the next Democratic administration if Biden were to come in and if he were to get a Democratic Senate, the Republicans will create all these giveaways to rich people and dare Democrats to take them away. They will look for all these things that will not help America, but will continue to bankrupt America so that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party will not be able to afford to act upon its agenda to try to help America. Now, how do I know that this is the case? Because this is always the case. This is the way Republicans operate. When Democrats are running the country, Republicans believe in budget deficits, and we don't have the money or the ability to do these things you want to do. As soon as Republicans take power, budget deficits are a thing of the past. They don't talk about it at all. And they busy cutting taxes for their rich donors and so bankrupting America that when the next Democratic administration comes in, the Republicans get to say all over again, you don't get to do your agenda. You have to fix the country that we just spent eight years fucking up. And here we are again. Meanwhile, the Republican plan, the war on, on America and Americans, on normal people on behalf of billionaires... You know, there's opposition to that right now. You know, there's, a, there's an alternative. There's a build back better Biden plan. I might as well continue the alliteration there. Joe Biden announced his build back better alliteration plan to improve the social safety net. Don't feel bad if you haven't heard about it. It's not like the media is covering Joe Biden or anything. But among the things in Joe Biden's plan for America, universal pre-K. 
No waiting lists for people to get into pre-K. Better care for the elderly. Better Medicare. Better Medicare coverage. Better coverage under Medicaid. Health care for people who need it. And thus, again, as we talk about civil war, the battle lines in America made perfectly clear. Stealing as much as you can for rich people while threatening the lives and ruining, destroying the lives of tens of thousands of average Americans? Vote for Trump. Building a better country? Well, the choice is obvious. That's today's show. We'll be back hopefully in a few days to talk about the next news, including one of these days, the courts. Until then, be well, stay safe. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David.